So it's Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to chapter 4, verse 7. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Thank you. So that reading um, speaks about us being children of God or sons of God in particular, because in the ancient world, it was the sons that would inherit the family blessings. But Paul says there's no male or female actually in the church. doesn't matter whether you're boy or girl, man or woman. In Christ, we all become part of God's family and we all become the inheritors of everything that God had promised way back to even Abraham, those promises God gave to Abraham about his blessing coming to the world. We enter that blessing of God, and anyone can enter that blessing of God as we come to Jesus Christ, and we become children of God, the very family of God, adopted as his own. Uh, now, I'm going to pray now. One thing I forgot to mention, there are some new good, good news magazines over there. So do help yourself to one of them or take one to give to someone you know if you can use those. But let's, let's um, pray now together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're a God who brings people together, not just in some superficial way, not just in terms of people who get along, but actually you bring us together in Jesus so that we can journey together as your people, both through the, the ups and the downs, the difficulties and the blessings, Lord. And we thank you that the church uniquely is or should be a place where we love one another in truth, where we bear with one another in love, where we lift up each other in love, where we do all things, not just for our own sake, but, the, but for the sake of one another. The church is where we see above all what it means to love God and to love our neighbour, each other, as ourselves. So as we think about the church family today in a very individualistic age in which we live, help us just to get our heads out of that individualistic thinking for a bit so that we can remember again the blessing of community, the reality that actually none of us live our lives alone in isolation. We all are in relationship. And that in Jesus, that relationship can grow and that relationship can, can be one that learns as you guide us together in truth and love. We pray for our church here, that we will be a church 
full of the life of your spirit, Lord. We don't imagine we're perfect. None of us are. But may we be a church where you work. Lord, we, we know, Lord, there'll be, there'll be ups and downs. There'll be troubles as well as blessings. But what we want to see, Lord, is that you are in our midst and that you're helping us through all things to grow together into Jesus Christ, who is our head, that we will become more like him. And so, Lord, bless us as a church here in Fivehead. Bless the church worldwide, that it too will grow and learn and be shaped by your spirit's work in its life. And we pray this particularly with our minds around different parts of the world today where there is trouble. We pray particularly for the Ukraine, of course, Lord. We pray for uh, an, a, an end to the violence, an end to the bloodshed. We pray for peace. We pray for safety. We pray for resolution. We pray for um, healing. We pray for those who have had to uh, leave Ukraine, the refugees who have fled with children, for example, Lord. May they know safe passage to where they're going and may they know a welcome uh, wherever they end up. And indeed, we pray that one day, not in the not distant future, but soon, they will be able to return in joy because there has been peace restored. That's our longing, Lord. And so we pray for the Ukraine. We pray for Russia too and the people of Russia. Lord, in your grace, be present in this situation. And in our own fellowship, Lord, we Pray for those with struggles, with difficulties, those awaiting treatments, surgeries on long waiting lists, perhaps. We pray for Steve and Wendy and Hillary with all that's on their minds and on their shoulders at this time. Pray for Greta at home with her, her back pain. Uh, we pray for those who, who've come down with COVID this last week. And Lord, there are others too. And we bring them to you in our own hearts, the names of those we love, our friends, our family in Jesus. And we pray that your grace will sustain us all. Lord, we, we praise you as God. We confess our sins. We claim the name of Jesus as our saviour, the one who died for our sins and is risen again. And we ask that you will keep giving your spirit until that day when we see Jesus again, whether it be him returning or us going on to see him in glory. Lord, keep us all our lives through, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to do a talk now uh, on those verses in Galatians that uh, Lorna read. So I'm not going to say too much. Families, church family. Families can be difficult, can't they? Uh, but a good family is a place where with all the ups and downs that we know, I feel a bit like I'm behind a barrier here. I'm going to come out here. <laughs> I'll stand in this space. So families, yeah, they can be difficult, but a good family is where, you know, with all the ups and downs, our family is full of people who know what we like, but they love us anyway. Family is about patience. It's about perseverance with one another. It's certainly about acceptance. And above all, a good family is about love. Now, the church is often described as a family. God is the father. And we, us, we're his children, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how the Bible describes us. Romans 8 even says, 
that we are children of God, and that means we're fellow heirs with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We are as much part of God's family as Father, Son, and Spirit are one. You know, they've been that for eternity, and, and part of what the good news of the gospel is, is that you and I can become part of that eternal family of God through Jesus. Now, the church, therefore, the family of God, is a place where relationships are real, but not only that, are eternal. We will be brothers and sisters in Jesus forever. And that's a, that's a more real relationship when you think about it than any, any other. It's therefore, a church is also therefore a place where Ephesians 4 says, yes, let's be real. We do have to, it says, bear with one another in love. It does require patience being a church family, not always all lovely and great. You know, we have our struggles and difficulties, but we stick with each other because Jesus brought us together. Bear with each other in love, Ephesians says. The church is also a place where our worth, your worth, your value, your place as an individual member of the family of God, that's not measured on a scale of high or low, like some, some are better and others are not as good. It is, it is not done like that in the church. It's not who's more and who's less. We are all in the church of Jesus Christ equally and fully loved, blessed, valued in Jesus Christ. And that's why we read Galatians 3, because that's what that's all about. The church is a family where your place and value, your identity, is not at all dependent on anything other than the fact that God loves you. And, and as such, the church should, this community we come, we're part of, should feel very different to, let's be honest, many of the other kinds of relationships and settings that we're used to where actually things are done on a scale and, you know, you're either up there or you're down there or you're somewhere in the middle. The church should feel very different than that, where we know whoever we are, whatever's going on, whatever's been, whatever may be, we are all one. We are all loved equally and blessed equally in Christ. Now, have any of you seen the film Encanto yet? Put your hand up. Yes. Have you seen Encanto? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, without, yeah, don't talk about Bruno. Yeah. Uh, now, without giving too much of the plot away, Encanto is uh, about a family, which is why it came to mind. But it's a family where each person is given an extraordinary supernatural gift. So one daughter, for example, can heal people by the food that she makes. Another creates beauty wherever she goes, beautiful flowers. And her gift is that wherever she is, she brings beauty there. But there's one girl in the family, Mirabelle, who did not receive a gift, a magical gift when she was a child. Now this family, this incredible family, uses its gifts to maintain the sort of community that's built up around them. But as the film begins, or right at the beginning, there are cracks beginning to appear, and no one at the beginning is quite sure why. But it's Mirabelle, the little young girl who's, who's not got a gift. As she talks and as she listens to the other members of her family, she realizes that the trouble is each member of that family has come to be defined, not simply for who they are, 
but entirely by their gift. So it's a family that actually, it's all just about what you can do rather than about who you are. And the weight of that is beginning to crush them. Now, there's one sister in this song called Louisa, and her gift is superhuman strength. And everyone in this community depends on Louisa to do the heavy lifting, to carry the weight, and to protect everyone from physical danger. But Mirabelle notices she's developing, Louisa's developing a twitch in her eye. And that leads to the song that we're just going to listen to now. Why would anything be wrong? I'm totally fine. Magic's fine. Louisa's fine. I'm totally not nervous. Your eyes. I'm the strong one. I'm not nervous. I'm as tough as the crust of the earth is. Okay. I move mountains. I move churches. And I glow because I know what my worth is. Of course. I mean, hey, where are you going? I don't ask how hard the work is. Got a rough and destructible surface. Diamonds and platinum. I find them. I flatten them. I take what I'm handed. I break what's demanded. But under the surface, I feel berserk as a tightrope walker in a three ring circus. Under the surface, was Hercules ever like, yo, I don't want to fight service? Under the surface, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can be in service. A flaw or a crack, the straw in the stack. Sure. 
Okay. And if you want to know what happens to the family, you'll have to watch the film. But let some of the reason I was wanted to show you that song. This is some of the lyrics. Under the surface, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. Uh, give it to your sister. Your sister's older. Give her all the heavy things we can't shoulder. Who am I if I can't run with the ball? Who am I if I can't carry it all? And then she says, watch as she buckles and bends, but never breaks, no mistakes. Who am I if I don't have what it takes? Sometimes we start to think as human beings that our worth, our value, you know, even our identity, who we are, or perhaps our place, like on the film, perhaps we think our place within a community is only about how good we are at something or what we can do. But actually, God says that your worth is not dependent on anything like that at all. God simply loves us, loves you, because he loves us, because he just loves you. So he loves you no matter what, and that's the kind of love that should, should define this, this community of God, this family of God that is the church, a family where you don't have to prove yourself to be accepted to be welcomed, to be loved. So, and that's why if, if we could have Galatians 3 up again, uh, Galatians 3 is so, I think, so revolutionary. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There's no, nor is there male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and you are heirs according to the promise. Now, in the ancient world, in biblical times, people's standing and value and worth and status was measured in various ways. It was measured by your ethnicity or your heritage, for example, whether you were Jew or Greek or Roman or Samaritan. They all fitted onto a scale of more or less important. Your worth was often measured by social categories, like whether you were wealthy or you were poor, whether you were powerful in your position in the world or whether you were powerless, whether you were a slave or a free person. Your worth in the ancient world was measured by your gender, whether you were male or female. Men were, were considered higher and better than women in pretty much every sense, unfortunately. And that's why, if you look at that verse again, it's so revolutionary. When Galatians 3 describes this new community that is the church, uh, that when it says you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, literally that is sons, you are all sons of God. And the reason Paul wrote sons of God was because it was the sons, only the sons, who inherited the family rights and the family property. But that's why it's so revolutionary what Paul immediately says after it, when he says in the church, actually, that's out the window. There's no male or female. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. You all inherit the promises God leads you. We are one in Christ. No one is better or higher or more important or more valuable than anyone else in the church. Your value is simply that you are loved and that God says you belong to his family just as much 
as anyone else does. And that was what I wanted to say. Isaac, good timing. Good timing. Do you want to, do you want to say an amen to my service? <laughs> say amen. <laughs> okay, and that's what I wanted us to, to think. Oh, you want to say amen, do you? One more, one more, I'm in. <laughs> Good boy, well done. Okay, so yeah, that's just one part of what it means to be a church family. It affects how we see our own worth and the worth of each other and the value of each other as God's children. 